to People Like Us, a podcast for and about third culture kids everywhere. I'm Jen Mohindra. I'm also a TCK and I have a Facebook group for TCK adults called, unsurprisingly, People Like Us. Hello, and in today's episode of People Like Us, I'm very happy to be speaking with Carly Altenay. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, Jen. Thank you so much for having me on, on this podcast. I'm a huge follower and I love it. So it's a great honor to be here today. Oh, it's brilliant. Thank you. Pleasure to having you here today. So as always, I'm going to kick off straight off with the um, opening question which is, would you like to tell me about where you grew up? Okay, um, where I grew up is always, of course, like the famous question, where do you come from? Sometimes a little bit daunting because I grew up um, on um, like a base, like a community that my father was working. It was like a company, an oil company that my father was working for. And in that oil company, um, we had like, a multitude of different um, international people. So I grew up at an American system school inside of it. Um, it was physically in Tehran, Saudi Arabia, but it was an American bubble in the middle of, of like literally the desert. No, not the desert, but I mean, but Saudi. And so I grew up with like about 36, 37, around 36, 37 nationalities in one class. And I grew up just like with tons of people from everywhere. And um, I lived there up until I finished junior high school and then I moved to Bahrain. And there I was at American military schools, which was the same thing, but in a different country with like um, a whole other you know, set of um, interesting um, international colleagues, including princes and princesses. So yeah, <laughs> that's where I grew up. And then I moved on to live in Paris uh, Strasbourg, and then Greece, Italy, and Spain. Okay, kept on moving. <clears throat> so in your early years in, in Saudi America, you mentioned being at an inter, uh, international or American school with 37 different international people, uh, countries. Would people sort of come and go? Um, actually, like, People would come and go, I guess, uh, depending on whether their parents were like sent to work somewhere else. So like we had like a flex of always, we always had new new kids every year, mm. you know? And that I think was maybe hard because if you connected and had like a, a good friend and then they moved to somewhere else and you wouldn't see them again, that was kind of hard growing up. But um, for the most part, there was a, like a whole solid group that pretty much stayed stayed uh, put mm -hmm. and then you had to kind of navigate through the different cliques at school you know um for example you know there were the popular kids obviously and then you had like um people who just grouped together by either their hobbies or where they were from i remember there was like a little arab league <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, with uh, the students who spoke arabic or came from arabic countries and then also like, um, and it's, for me, I think that was kind of, it kind of set the standard for um, the way um, and like what I look for. Like, I know in, whenever I move to a city, I can't stay like with one group of people. Like I need 
to be inside, like moving in like circles, different circles. I can't just stick to one circle. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that comes from that. So yeah. like, for example, I live in Granada now and like, you know, I have my, my um, friends from different parts of the world and some of them don't even know each other, never met, you know, but um, it's just kind of, that makes me feel normal. <laughs> so. Sure, sure. So you mentioned a number of different places that you've lived um, yeah. and, and certainly as an adult as well. <clears throat> so what, what drives you to move on to the next place? Hmm. That's an excellent question. I really like that. Um, I don't know. I think um, I'm kind of spontaneous in the sense that like I'm very planned, but spontaneous at the same time. So um, I feel like whenever I move anywhere, like I move there to explore, first of all, and to have a, like a change of scenery. But I also usually go in um, wanting to like, you know, absorb as much as the culture as possible. And then also from that, you know, I find things that uh, either inspire me or make me like, for example, when I moved to Granada, um, I was in a point in my life where I was academically burned out. I just did too much in too little time. And when I got there, I had realized that there were so many things that I had not addressed growing up or things that I um, kind of ran away from just by picking up and leaving. And so um, I Granada became this uh, and it's the longest place I've lived now um, <laughs> has become kind of like um, it became a place where I got to like re-examine my life and my decisions and what I was running away from and I think that like each place for me is like uh, kind of like like somewhere where I can start a project and once that project is done I kind of move on I think to put it in in, in that kind of sense okay so with Granada then being the place that you have stayed for the longest what what's next then do, do you sort of think ahead to well this is a project as well so at some point <clears throat> that project's going to be complete and I'll be ready for the next move or is it a case of no I'm here now I like it here I'm, I'm putting down roots or, or is it something else? Um, Granada actually has been maybe the hardest place in the world to leave. I've wanted to leave um, for, <laughs> for, for many years, but it's actually, I think the, the hardest place in the world to leave because there's so many beautiful things about the city. First of all, the light um, and also the history here um, is very beautiful. For me, there, some of the things that I don't enjoy, especially in Spain are maybe a little bit of, the fact that um, you don't get as much uh, diversity or, you know, um, you get people from everywhere pass through, but it's, there's not a very diverse set of, you know, the people are just, it's basically people from here, local people or tourists who pass through. So um, I miss um, having more, um, like, I don't know, more restaurants, more um, opportunities to see film, uh, to see shows and things that come from other cultures. And since uh, Granada is a very touristic spot in Spain, 
Um, I feel like everything here is pretty local. Um, that is something that kind of drives me sometimes crazy in, mm -hmm. in living here. Um, for next, I really don't know where I'd go next. Um, I think I have a few places in mind that I have on my bucket list. Um, I'd like to spend some time um, in India at some point. I, it's always been a dream to teach the university there. And um, what I do know is I want to go somewhere where I feel people um, are not numb to like um, social injustice and stuff. That's something that is really important. Like, I'd like to go to a place where people are aware and more conscious of, of social justice matters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I say that not because everybody is unaware <laughs> um, of it here, but just the fact that like, it's very difficult to explain a lot of really basic things about, for example, an experience, you know, my experience as a, as a person of color in Spain. Um, a lot of people just end up taking it personally or, you know, or generalizing and uh, or not being able to grasp because these terms and these, um, the, this, my reality, not something that they can really um, understand, no? So. Mm, and that's something that we touched on just briefly before we started recording um, with myself having moved to Italy and my own experiences here as well as finding it um, very much less diverse than central London where I was living just prior to here. And you as well have mentioned that diversity of growing up at the um, international schools with so many kids from so many different countries and, and cultures. So coming back to that, you mentioned your, your move from Saudi Arabia to Bahrain after junior high. What was that move like for you? Because that was the first, first big move for you, I guess. Um, I mean, it was a move, but it wasn't at the same time because um, Bahrain and Saudi are neighbors, like they live right next door. But the only difference is um, Bahrain has a lot more freedom than Saudi does. Or, I mean, now things are changing in Saudi, but I mean, initially Bahrain was very different than Saudi in the sense that um it's it was more international and not i mean the bubble i lived in was completely international but i'm saying like as a country it was um more open for example you know alcohol is um permitted in bahrain and sold openly that which is not the case in saudi you know um people are a little bit more less um let's say um i mean there are just it's a more of a welcoming place for other cultures, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, then, and then your first move outside of that region to, to Paris, I think you said, um, what prompted that one? Well, my studies, um, but actually, I actually skipped a place, which is important to mention. So between high school there, there was uh, my, so my father is originally from Sudan. Um, mm -hmm. So he, um, he wanted me to be in touch because we're four kids in my family. I'm the middle child. And my dad really wanted us to have um, some kind of contact with our home country. So he kind of sent us after having all of this kind of international schooling to go live for a while in Sudan. So I lived in Sudan actually in between the, that. So mm -hmm. it was actually 
And that for me, I can say was quite shocking because um, my first time arriving in Khartoum and getting off that tarmac was like, I felt like I had traveled in time, you know, um, in the sense that like, you know, I, you know, everybody grows up watching movies about, you know, getting off a plane in a new place. And, you know, I just wasn't prepared for like cats and dogs and, <laughs> and goats, <laughs> you know, chilling as you 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 uh, go down the stairs and and just it was this new place with all these rules all these things that like for example I mean I grew up you know with my siblings like doing whatever you wanted in the street like you know playing around like and all of a sudden you're in a society where like in some senses it's it's you know, a very welcoming and very open, but in other senses, like you can't wear shorts because it's like apparently rude or like, mm -hmm. like, you know, like all these new rules that I had to learn. And also I think my dad, part of his reasoning to send us there was he was like kind of ashamed of the fact that we didn't speak Arabic as well as he'd like us to. So that was a whole other wave of, of learning a language and a culture at the same time. And I remember making a lot of mistakes when I first moved there in the sense that like, rather than tell somebody who was, you know, like get well soon, I'd be like, you know, my deepest condolences and stuff <laughs> mixing. <laughs> and I had a lot of people laughing. <laughs> sure. So how connected did you feel to Sudan? Um, obviously going there for the first time, it being a new country, um, lots to learn about. But how connected did you feel knowing that that's where your father was from? Um, I felt connected to it because growing up, my dad, like, really, like, we ate Sudanese food. We had, like, Sudanese, his Sudanese family would pass through. Like, we had a lot of contact with it. And so I was very aware of my history, the history of my people. And I was aware of that. But um, it's so different when someone, you know, when someone teaches you something and then when you're actually in the country itself, you know, because... Mm -hmm they teach it to you maybe like they give you a like you know kids version of it and then when you arrive there and there's all these other realities that have not been spoken about and you have to come into contact with it it was actually quite funny i have to say moving to to sudan because um so i went there i went i was enrolled at the university of khartoum and um i started studying and so when i started studying there i could speak barely any arabic and uh for example I just came from like an American system school where like your grades were mailed to your parents, like, you know, and at the University of Khartoum, they're like written in calligraphy, like on a huge board that everybody can comment and say whatever they want. on. And I was quite horrified. <laughs> um, and I had, I had some comments um, the first year that I was there that people kept saying imported like near my name you know and like a lot of the students didn't even think I was Sudanese like they thought I was from a different African country and <laughs> yeah funny things like that and and how was it for your siblings you know I mean I think to be honest I think it um I don't want to speak for them but like I think that for all of us it was it was a good experience but at the same time it was a kind of a harrowing experience to be honest mm -hmm. because um, you know, right now it's very popular. The Handmaid's Tale is a very popular like uh, series that people are watching. Um, I read that book in high school as part of uh, the International Baccalaureate. Um, 
And it, living there, and I think this is maybe not the closest thing, but living there was very dystopian in the sense that like you had to be 25% of who you were outside the doors of your home. But then once you were home, you, I could be myself with my siblings. I could just talk in English. We could just, you know, just be who we were, like who we were our entire lives. But like once the minute you stepped outside of the home, you couldn't speak English because, you know, you'd get unwanted attention or people would make comments or people would, you know, feel offended, like you were excluding them. So like there are a lot of um, layers to that. And I think my sister, my sister is older. Uh, she's the oldest. Um, I think she adjusted really well. My older brother, uh, I don't feel like he adjusted very well because um, he moved there. He wasn't quite sure what he wanted to study. And then I think that he kind of got persuaded to study medicine, which is not a fun thing to get persuaded to study. And um, he ended up doing that there. And I think, I think just being, um, and you know, he finished and graduated and stuff. But I just think that the, it was, it just turned, I think like, you know, I think it's one of the, these experiences where you go home and it's supposed to be your home. And um, from, for myself and for my younger brother, I think, um, and my, my older sister, I think she was the person who adjusted the best and she did really well there. Um, for me and my younger brother, I think like we just kind of kept that, you know, space, that inner space where like, you know, we can be, you know, something else. And this is not like the final destination. This is just one stop, you know, on the, on the metro of life. Wow. So you've gone on to live in many places since. What about yeah. siblings? Um, yes. Well, okay. Um, my sister is based in the UK. Um, she lives there with her two kids. And my brother, my older brother, has got three daughters. And they, they live in Saudi. Um, and my younger brother is still, he travels a lot for, for different things. For He's a dentist. And... Um, He's been, he's been like back and forth through Dubai, like China, Sudan, like a lot of different places. Um, but um, yeah, that's about it. Like we're all, we're all kind of, uh, my sister's pretty much settled, I think in the UK um, and my older brother, I don't know. I mean, he's there now because his daughters are quite young, but we'll see what the future brings. Oh yeah, a bit mixed. Some still moving, some, some more settled. Yeah. So having lived in different places and having that real international upbringing and then going back sort of home to your roots, if you like, to um, Sudan, where feels like home for you? Oh, that, that is so hard because, okay, there are things about Sudan that I absolutely miss and I absolutely love. Like, for example, I love walking that, um, out, taking walks at night because um, in Sudan, we have a very like strong tradition of um, Sudan and also in the southern part of Egypt, we have this uh, very strong um, tradition of incense. And as you walk down the streets, there's just these beautiful aromas as you're walking, you know, and it's one of the things that, you know, sometimes when I get homesick, I, I think of that. Or for example, the mangoes in Sudan, you know, they've got great mangoes and fruits and stuff. But like, to be honest, like, while I lived there, I loved it. 
you know, and I made the most of living there. But at the same time, I always kind of felt like I didn't fit there, mm -hmm. you know. I, so it is a home in a sense. There's some things about it that are reminiscent of, you know, and especially when it comes to smells and stuff like, you know, you grow up in a home where like, you know, my dad burned incense in the home uh, and those smells are, are, are home smells, no? And so mm -hmm. they, you identify them with home, you no? Know? And so, for example, there are things about Sudan that I miss, like food or, you know, um, people's, you know, some people, um, but like, I don't know, Sudan is like one of the many homes. Like, I think everywhere I've lived, I've kind of grabbed a piece of it as like, as home, you know? And I think it's like, it's like a caravan. I just keep moving forward with all these <laughs> layers from different places. Yeah, it's so interesting what you mentioned about the, um, the incense and the aroma of that and how smells from your childhood can just take you straight back and give you that feeling of home and that's a beautiful thing with the incense because that's something that you, of course you can you can take anywhere with you yeah um, it's kind of hard to explain uh, to the customs officer <laughs> when you arrive <laughs> because they're like what is this and you're like um, it's incense. Home. <laughs> <laughs> so on the flip side of that then where would you say you feel the most foreign Of all the places I've lived, um, the place that, and I, and you know, I do, I always say I want to give it um, another chance because I feel like I only, I only stayed in one part of the country and I don't feel it's fair to, you know, to ever paint a whole place. But I think the place I felt the most unwelcome was, it's hard, but um, I think Italy. I think personally, Italy, uh, Bologna. And I think it had to do very much with, um, you know, the ambient, the, like the ambience around me, like the, the, like the university kind of, even though Bologna is a, is a beautiful city as a city and it has an amazing library, which was where I kept out most of the time. Um, it was also very noisy um, for me, for my, um, for me to like, I like going to cafes and I need noise to write but it was the kind of noise that I couldn't concentrate because it was just too much. It was, um, so I ended up doing a lot of writing in the, um, in the library, but I just think I felt really unwelcome there because um, I know as a person of color, I was just um, automatically identified everywhere I walked in. And sometimes I get this feeling here in Spain as well, that when you walk into like the bank, like everything stops, or if you walk into, you know, any kind of, um, office, bureaucratic place, you know, everything stops and everyone looks at you and every, you know, and everyone sometimes, you know, you, you are, if you're walking down the street, you catch like, you know, and I usually walk down the street with my earphones. I've learned better <laughs> now, but um, to kind of distract me from not looking at people because um, sometimes when you, you know, leave your house and you're, you know, you're listening to some, some good music and you're in a good mood and then you just meet three or four people who give you a weird look, it just destroys your entire day before it starts. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think those were places where I felt like visibly, like I felt like a lot of people just visibly were not comfortable with, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with my presence. 
Yeah, I think what you described there is um, something that many TCKs will be able to relate to in terms of going somewhere different and feeling visibly different and not belonging and sort of doing our best to, to try and fit in, but sometimes um, that can be trickier than others. You mentioned your, your writing in cafes. Tell me about your writing. I, I know you write poetry. Yeah. Um, so when I got to Granada, I actually wanted to, as a, like a therapeutic practice and to kind of break out of academic writing, I started writing this novel that kind of dealt with the different parts of my life. And um, um, over time, I got frustrated. I got to like the sixth chapter and, and um, then I was like, wait, I'm still like living. Like <laughs> I can only write six chapters so far. Like what else am I supposed to say? So then um, I got a little bit frustrated with myself and I decided to um, take the themes that I was writing about, which were like invisibility, also otherness, and just to, to start writing um, about, you know, my, like to start off with like, like the heritage, my heritage, which is like, goes back to the South of Egypt, which is mm -hmm. uh, in the city of Aswan, where um, I don't know if you know the story, but um, a lot of people lost their land because, you know, they raised the dam and mm -hmm. their lands went underwater. And so yeah. there's like, grew up with like, you know, a wealth of like ghost stories about that. and people who had to cross the Bayuda Desert to move and migrate and uh, resettle in Sudan. So I started writing my poems about that. And I also wanted to get my, to kind of develop my own opinions on that historical event, since I'd already, they kind of, I'd already, it already had been painted to me in, in one way by family members and other people. And so I started off as an investigation of that. And then slowly with time, um, I guess, because a lot of the poets I like are confessional and I just started to kind of, my own life started to seep in into the book. And, and so I wrote the book, um, the book is called The Moral Judgment of Butterflies. And the book is very much about TCKs in my opinion, because um, the whole symbol of a butterfly um, is like this, you know, um, it's a symbol of transformation, but also of movement and, and decampment mm -hmm. in, my, in my eyes. And, um, when I talk, I talk about like, just there's so many different poems that address um, this, this feeling like in between, you know, and being trapped in childhood memories and also like not being able to move forward or carrying with you all this stuff from the, from the past. I have this one poem in my book called Unconditional and um, it talks about like this person who's sitting on um, the train who's waiting for um like it's like um I choose a seat closest to the door just um in case I meet somebody that I can like run off you know and start a new life with and, mm -hmm. and it talks about childhood and just also you know like kind of feeling so like feeling feeling like you're split up in a million pieces all over the world and actually the first part of my book if I can find it, um, I will read it to you because I think it will maybe uh, resonate with some people. Um, for sure. So let me just repeat the, the title there for our listeners. So The Moral Judgment of Butterflies. And yeah. it's coming out in, did you say October? 
in October. Um, it's coming out of um, Black Spring Press in the UK, in London. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's already been translated into a few languages, the Spanish, Arabic, and Greek. And um, I would like, I would look forward to having it translated in French as well. And um, yeah, I think the, I think that if you've ever felt out of place, uh, that this book will, will, you know, maybe take you, take you back. <laughs> and also you, you trace the journey of a person who just doesn't fit in so many different places, but does at the same time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Brilliant. I, I look forward to reading that when it comes out. <laughs> Thank you so much. So we're nearly at the end of our, our time here that we have together. Um, I always like to end these conversations on a positive note. And one of the questions I often like to ask is, what would you say is one of the best things about having had the international upbringing that you did? Um, there's so, like, first of all, I would not, if I could go back in time and change anything, I would not change it. I am so grateful to have it, to have the kind of upbringing I had, because first of all, I was exposed to people from all walks of life and, and, um, and also um, just the idea of people being multifaceted, you know, and not just stereotypes and not just, you know, fulfilling one role in life. You know, I think that when you're exposed to so much at a young age, like you grow up with different eyes. And I think, and I always, I like to use that expression. I say that, you know, I think a lot of TCKs develop these different eyes. And I think the different eyes sometimes also make us more mature maybe, um, and we spoke about this a little bit um, mm. before, um, is that you feel older than, than the people your age perhaps. Um, but I also think that it just also gives you a wisdom and um, kind of a, an inner compass, no? And intuition about people about, uh, and about situations. And I also think it, in, it kind of, in a very, like it's not even conscious, but I think in a very unconscious way, I think it it plants this kind of like resilience, no, in you. And I think people yeah. who are TCKs, like you throw them into any kind of situation and they will come out, you know? And I, I think, or most, of course, you know, <laughs> there's some impossible situations out there, but and most you know situations and they'll have a they'll find an exit and I think that's something that a lot of people don't have the experience just you know having lived in one place don't know how to deal with things that are not one way no yeah we we, we live outside the box <laughs> yes definitely I definitely believe that so to speak well, Carly, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Thank, Thank you, likewise. For your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks for listening to People Like Us. If you'd like to join an online community full of people like us, hop over to Facebook and search for People Like Us. You'll find my group and you're very welcome to join us. <laughs>